today we have a message entitled the seven expressions of love and all these seven expressions are taken from the seven words of Jesus Christ which he spoke on the cross I believe this message will be a great blessing to you and it is my prayer that these seven expressions of love will become part of my life and our lives and we all want to be expressions of Jesus as Jesus was the expression of the Father. So we need the seven expressions of love to perfect His love in us. This is a very special message for us this morning. Seven expressions of love. The first expression of love is from the first word of the cross, which is in Luke 23rd chapter, the 34th verse. Jesus spoke this first word, which we all know. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his garment and cast lots. We all know the first word that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first expression of love is forgiveness. Forgiveness is the first expression of love. How do you know that you love somebody? The answer is simple. You don't hold anything against them. You forgive them freely just as Christ forgave you. That's what Jesus taught us. Forgive people their trespasses as your Father in heaven has forgiven your trespasses. If you don't forgive people their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also not forgive you your trespasses. So I want to encourage everybody this morning. Don't have anything against anybody. Husband and wives, forgive each other. Parents, children, forgive one another. Forgive your relatives. See that you are right with God and right with one another all the time. And if anybody has hurt you, say, Lord, please forgive them. I forgive them. You also forgive. This is the basic expression of love. Forgiveness. And we mostly hear people talking about this. Oh, you need to forgive others. Don't have anything against anybody. Forgive others. We usually hear this. But can we go a little deeper? Let us see from Jesus' perspective. What was he really asking the Father to forgive? Jesus came to know that through all that was happening while he was on the cross, the father was hurt. The father was grieving because his only begotten son was being crushed. And the way that people were mocking Jesus and speaking against him, the father was hurt. And that's the time Jesus lifted up his voice to the father and said, Father, please forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Father, please forgive them, Father. I know they are hurting you. I am bearing all this pain and torture, this agony. But I know this is hurting you, Father. Please, Father, forgive them. Oh, forgive them, Father. Some saints of God say, if Jesus Christ would not pray that prayer, 
entire mankind would be washed out, destroyed. Today, spiritual maturity is not just in forgiving one another. Asking God to forgive people because they hurt you. That is basic. That is, I feel, child level. But spiritual maturity is going deeper into the heart of the Father and looking at the things that hurt the Father and pleading with the Father for the people who are hurting the Father and saying, Father, please forgive them. How many people are hurting you, Father, today? How many churches are hurting you? Your own people are hurting you. Preachers and pastors are hurting you. So many wrong things are happening in your name. So much of money is preached rather than the crucified Christ. People are doing all kinds of things in the name of evangelism. Your own people are taking advantage of your goodness and grace. Today I want to tell you, the father is hurt by his own people. His own children have hurt him. By judging others, by saying, oh, this person is like this, this preacher is like We keep finding fault with the preachers and pastors and leaders. Rather than praying to the Father, please forgive them. We need to train ourselves to meet the need of the Father. Rather than pronouncing judgment on the people. Because we are chosen for His satisfaction. I pray that you will take out ten days time, probably daily an hour or two, set aside this time and just plead with Father, Father, please forgive those who are hurting. Not only those who are torturing the Christians, persecuting Christians, but even your own people who are causing you grief and sorrow. Oh Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Can we walk in this kind of love? Not only forgiving people, when asking the Father to forgive people who are hurting Him. Can we live to meet the need of the Father? Before we go to the next point, can we take a minute to pray? I want you all to go a little deeper. We can spend a lot of time just in this one point. How many are hurting the Father today? Lift up your voice and say, Father, forgive me. I'm only concerned about people hurting me. But Lord, today I see how much people are hurting you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Father, please forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, those who are hurting you. And now say, Lord, even I forgive everyone who hurt me. I don't hold anything against anybody. I forgive them. I forgive them. I don't expect anything from them. I forgive everybody, Father, who hurt me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's go to the second point. The second word of the cross is in Luke 23. 34 to 43. There were two thieves on the either side of the cross that were hanging alongside Jesus. 
One of the thieves said, If you are the son of God, save yourself and save us also. But another thief rebuked the first thief and said, Don't you know we are suffering for what we have done? Even at this time you don't fear God? And then he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And in the 43rd verse, Jesus said, Verily, I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The second expression of love is acceptance. Acceptance. Lot of people stop after the first expression. They say, well, I have forgiven them. Now I have nothing to do with them. We keep them at distance because we know how they are. We learnt our lesson by burning our fingers. So, I don't have anything against anybody. Oh brother, I have forgiven them. But after forgiving them, have you accepted them in your heart? Jesus not only forgave this thief, but when this thief repented, he accepted that thief. You know what is true love? What is becoming vessels of mercy? It is receiving people in our hearts, nourishing them there and cherishing them there. We have to have people in our hearts, nourish them and cherish them, love them in our hearts, accept them in our hearts. Oh brother, I have accepted them in my heart, but they kick me inside and it's very paining. They hurt me inside. You know, like when you have a child, the child kicks you in your womb. So people, when they receive too many people in their hearts and try to show love, those people kicking you in your heart and hurting you. One saint of God said, they said, if it is hurting you in your heart, if you feel they are kicking you in your heart, enlarge your heart. You feel hurt, you feel them kicking you inside because your heart is small. Have a big heart. Have people in your heart. Accept them just as they are. I want to tell you, nobody is perfect. Accept them as they are. Acceptance is second expression of love. Answer me. When you go to Jesus, will He accept you just as you are? When you repent? The Bible says all those who came to Him, in no wise He cast them out. Why don't we have big heart and wide opened arms? To receive everybody. Come, come. There's a lot of place for you. You may belong to any denomination, any religion. But my heart is big to accommodate you. Come. And you will experience the love of Jesus in my heart. I will not rob you from your church. I will feed you and send you back to your church. But I love you. I accept you. People, when they come around you, should feel that they are accepted. They should feel they are safe. That is what is missing in today's Christian circle or today's churches. People don't feel the warmth of love. They don't feel they are accepted. We keep them at distance based on their performance, on how they are. We treat them according to how they are. Jesus never considers our past record to show His acceptance. That's why the famous song is, just as I am, 
without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And now that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Jesus always accepts you. You need to accept others. Especially the ones who repent and come to Jesus. Shall we pray? Jesus, give us the grace to have a big heart of love. A heart that freely, sincerely, truly accepts everyone and nourishes them and cherishes them and prays for them and showers mercy upon them. Lord, give me that kind of heart. A heart that accepts even those who hurt me, those who ill-treat me. That I will never hold a record of all their wrongdoings, but I will accept them. In Jesus' name. Amen. The third verse of the cross is in John 19th chapter, 25 to 27. Both the mother of Jesus and the loved disciple John were at the cross. And what did Jesus tell them in the next verse? When Jesus therefore saw his mother and his disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman! Behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. The third expression of love is caring and providing. Caring and providing. You not only forgive people, you not only accept them in your heart, but you go out of your way to meet their needs, to help them, to provide for them. Every true child of God will be a second miler. What does it mean? Who will go a second mile to help. Look at the good Samaritan. He took that man who was half dead all the way to the inn on the way he treated him put him there and said, take care of this person. And he paid for all the expenses. So he went a second mile. But then I say, he went a third mile also by telling the owner of the inn, in case you spend more, when I come back, I will pay it back to you. He was a third miler. First Timothy 5th chapter, 8th verse says, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house. He had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You don't care for your family people. You don't care for your relatives in the time of their need. You don't help them. Then you are worse than a heathen. You have denied your faith. If a needy man comes to you who is hungry or who has no clothes and you just bless him saying, God bless you, God bless you, be full. What kind of faith you have? Don't you know faith without works is dead? Give that man some food to eat. Give him some warm clothes. You show me your faith without works. I will show you faith with works. True love cares. True love shares. True love provides. It's okay if I don't have, but I want you to have it. That is the love of Jesus Christ. 
it makes arrangements see how jesus even in the midst of that agony he makes arrangements for his mother he makes arrangements for his young disciple mary had a servant's heart when the angel of the lord came to her and said you will conceive you will have a child who will be called the son of the most high god she said behold your handmaiden that means behold your servant girls beat unto me according to your word she had a servant's heart and i can feel more than john taking care of her she must have taken care of john no wonder the angel of god came to her because mary said god has considered the lowliness of his servant mary was lowly mary was a servant and god came to her friends i want to tell you train yourself to always see the greatness of god and the unworthiness of yourself train yourself to see how little you are how small unworthy sinful living in this wretched flesh you are and at the same time see the greatness of your god care for people go out of your way to help people i feel raise up love church must make a decision to go little more forward in love by showing practical love to people because love is not in words only love is in action what is the action pastor first action is pray for them weep in prayer for them second action go and meet their needs practically visit somebody's house help them find out in the church who is not coming for few sundays call them and say why we are not seeing you don't just be self sufficient self focus is what drains that love from your life be others focused not always only pastor must call and find out what's happening in everybody's life or care for them help them no we are all one family if one person is hurt the whole body is in pain the whole body suffers we should have a body mindset not individual mindset it's time that we get rid of selfishness we get a revival of selflessness that we start living for others that is jesus life can raise up our church make the decision today can we go little extra mile to care for people to help people even to the extent of going and doing some manual work in their house any physical work even if somebody sick you go and do something one of the things that keeps you humble always keeps you meek do small small work for others it will keep you humble even if god uses you mightily even god uses you for big crowds but always do some small job for people it will keep you humble you'll enjoy you'll know you are a ordinary normal person you are not some super special live on earth all the time man came to the pastor and said my wife all the time she's praying all the time she's reading bible all the time she's only spiritual 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 pastor please speak to my wife because i have married a human being not an angel 
Don't spiritualize everything. Come down and do some small work for people. Let's pray. Jesus, please bring us down. Bring me down. Teach me to care for others. Teach me to help others, Lord. Please, Jesus, to go out of my way to meet the needs of others. Give me this third expression of love, which is caring for others. Help me, Lord, to be a person who cares, not seek position or name, but to care that everything I do, I do it unto the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to tell one more thing. If suppose somebody is not caring for you, and you are in some difficult situation, don't get upset, don't get depressed, and say, well, nobody loves me. No. The golden rule of the kingdom of God is, do unto others as you want them to do for you. Anytime you are in a position where you feel nobody is helping you, go out of your way to help others in that crucial time, critical time of your life. So that you'll keep grumbling, self-pity away from you. Depression away from you. Let's go to point number four. The fourth word that was spoken from the cross. This is the center word. A heartbreaking word. The father had left Jesus. Matthew 27, 46. The father had forsaken Jesus. And this is the only time where Jesus referred to the father as God. Otherwise all the time he was saying, my father. He took your place. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To what you have abandoned me? You have forsaken me. The fourth expression of love is identity. Identity. First expression is forgiveness. You forgive people. Second expression is acceptance. You accept them in your heart. Third expression is you care for them. You provide for them. But it doesn't stop there. Christ-likeness is you go to the extent of identifying yourself with them. Even to the extent of saying I don't mind going to hell for their salvation. I don't mind suffering for their freedom. That is Jesus' life. You become one with the sufferer. You identify yourself and become one. What did Jesus say in John 13, 34 and 35? A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Jesus wants us to love others as he has loved us. How did he love us? 
by going to hell for us. By being separated from the Father for us. Can you love others to that extent? Bible says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Husband, can you love your wife in that way? Where you say, well, I don't mind being separated from God for my wife's salvation, for her blessing. We need to love others as Jesus loved us. How did Jesus love us? He went to the extent of being separated from God. Do you love others to that extent? That even you can be separated from God? Paul loved people like that. Look at what Paul says in Romans 9, 1, 2 and 3. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Did Paul really love his people? This is the kind of love we are talking about. Paul says, I tell you the truth. I don't lie. There is continual sorrow in my heart. There is heaviness in my heart. I wish I could be separated from Jesus for the sake of my brother. I want Israel to be saved. I want people to be saved. Even if I have to go to hell. What did Moses say? Exodus 32, verse 32. He tells the Lord, Yet now, if thou will not forgive sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses says, God, I want you to forgive the sins of all these Israelites. You brought them out of Egypt. They sinned against you. Lord, I pray, forgive their sins. If you will not forgive their sins, then God, strike my name, from the book which you have written. Can you imagine the height of this love? See how he identifies with his people. God, strike my name from the book of life. Can anybody say that? In these days? Do we have today's preachers? Talk this. Lord, save these people who are coming to our meeting tonight. Otherwise, strike my name from the book of life. What a love. What a identifying with the people. The world is waiting for this kind of men of God. And women of God. This is Christ likeness. This is real ministry. There is a lot of cheap popularity in the world. But there are hardly men of God like Paul. Like Moses. Who say God. I don't mind if I am lost. But I want people to be saved. May God give us that kind of heart on this Good Friday. A heart which loves people to the end. Jesus loved his disciples to the end. And he said, I want you to love others as I have loved you. Let's get rid of all finding fault with others. Let's be willing to lay down our lives for others. Shall we pray? Lord, I need help. We need help in this area. I don't have this kind of love. I cannot manufacture it. 
we don't have this Lord in us. But please have mercy and change our hearts and give us this kind of love. Love that is willing to suffer for others even to the extent of being separated from God. Oh, that is the God kind love. Jesus give us that kind love and help us to love others with that kind love. Bless rays of love church with that type of love. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. We need help Jesus. I confess I don't have that type of love. I need that type of love. We need that type of love. Make us people with that type of love. Thank you Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have such a wonderful Savior who is worthy of our worship, who is worthy of our first love. Amen. The fifth word on the cross. Before I tell you the fifth word, I want to say, the first four words are expressions of love towards people. The remaining three words of the cross are the expressions of love towards God. So there are two sets. First four words is one set, another three, another set. Just like the seven festivals of Israel, first four festivals are one set of festival, they come together. Then after some gap, come the other three festivals together. Seven festivals of Israel. So same way, the first four expressions of love are towards people. And the next three expressions of love are towards God. John 19th chapter, the 28th verse, is the fifth word that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. And let's read. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now from my childhood days, I have been hearing several messages on these seven words of the cross on every Good Friday. And I have heard many people talk on this word. As a matter of fact, the first time I was ever given a chance to speak on Good Friday service in my home church, in my hometown, Gulbarga, and the word that was given to me was this word, I thirst. And most of the messages I heard was that people saying, probably because Jesus was in physical agony, Therefore he said, I thirst. Little deeper people said, because he was separated from the Father. The previous word, we see that. Therefore he longed for the Father and he said, I thirst. So I have heard different kinds of messages. But let us simply see, why did he say that word? The answer is here in that verse. He said, I thirst. To fulfill the scriptures. That's all. To fulfill the scriptures, he said, I thirst. The word of God is very simple. 
somebody said you need theology to make it complicated. I am sorry for the theologians here. The fifth expression of love is yearning, longing, craving. For what? To fulfill the scriptures. To fulfill the word of God. To obey God. In spite of God being separated from you. In the fourth word, you find that Jesus was separated from the Father. The Father had forsaken Jesus. In spite of being forsaken by God, you still long to fulfill the word of God. You don't turn bitter against God. You don't speak against God. You don't get depressed. And you say, well, I have nothing to do with God, with His word. But you have the same longing. In spite of God being one with you, or in spite of God forsaking you, you have only one yearning, longing, and that is to fulfill His word, to obey His voice. That is the expression of love towards God. How I love thy law, O Lord, it is my meditation day and night, David said. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. People long for God's word. They long to fulfill the word of God. How many times we argue, God has not answered my prayers. That's your testing time to see whether you still will obey God's word. You long, you thirst to fulfill God's word. Husbands, Love your wives, the Bible says. Then husbands, you got to fulfill God's word. Oh, but she's like that, she's like this. Uh -huh. There's no condition attached. However she is, you got to obey God's word. You got to long to fulfill the word of God. You love your wife. Not based on her performance, not because she treats you well. You love your wife because the word of God says so. And what about wives? Be submitted to your husband. I will be submitted to my husband provided he listens to me. Uh-huh. No. You are here to fulfill the word of God. So imagine if we all have only one longing, one desire, just to obey God's word and fulfill the scriptures, how beautiful church will be, how beautiful this world will be. If we really love Jesus, then we long to fulfill his word. No wonder Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. We are not just hearers of God's word, we are doers of God's word. So the fifth expression of love is yearning, longing to fulfill the word of God. Amen. Can we pray? Lord, forgive me. Many times I lost the passion, the longing to fulfill your word. If I don't feel your presence, I get discouraged. If I don't feel your presence, don't feel your anointing, don't see prayers answered, I get discouraged. I don't read Bible. I don't long to fulfill your word. Forgive me, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that you'll give me and all of us grace. Give this church grace. That no matter what the circumstances are, we will long to fulfill your word. We will love your word. We will desire to obey your word with all our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. The sixth word of the cross. John 19, the 30th verse. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Voluntarily. When he knew that everything is done, he drank that sour wine, vinegar, and he said, It is finished. The sixth expression of love is completion. You always long to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. I have to fulfill God's purpose. Read John 17th chapter. The fourth verse. Jesus said, Father, I have glorified you on the earth. How did Jesus glorify the Father on the earth? I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And by completing my work, which you gave me to do, I have glorified you. Fulfill the purpose of God. What did Paul say in 2 Timothy, 4th chapter, 7th and 8th verse, very well known verse. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me, but unto all them also that love my appearing. Beautiful, isn't it? I fought a good fight of faith. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. In another place in Philippians 3rd chapter, he says, I'm waiting for the prize of my high calling. Beloved, you have to fulfill God's purpose for your life. The Bible talks about David. That David fulfilled the purposes of God in his lifetime. Pray and seek God and say, God, help me to complete all that you planned for me. All that you purpose for me. Don't get distracted. Sidetracked from the purpose of God. Into all kinds of worldly attractions. Into worldly pleasures. No. You have to fulfill God's purpose for your life. I have only one desire. Myself and my dear wife Madhu. We always pray. And this is our desire. That one day, when we finish our earthly journey, we'll go to Jesus. And we'll see His smiling face. And with a smiling face, He will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, enter the joy of the Lord. What a beautiful certificate that is. That's the greatest reward. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Focus on completing God's purpose in your life. Lord, don't take me in the midst of my days. Lord, you will fulfill the number of my days, Lord. What you plan for me has to come to pass. I have to fulfill your purpose in my life. People will ask me to do so many things. People will demand me to do many things that you didn't plan for me. But let me be clear of your purpose in my life. 
And let me fulfill my destiny in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Everybody pray, Lord, help me to fulfill your purpose in my life. Help me to live for your purpose, Lord. Help me to complete your purpose, Lord Jesus. Lord, help me to complete your purpose. Let me live for your purpose. Lord, reveal your purpose to me, Lord. Please reveal your purpose to me. I long to fulfill your purpose. Let not my earthly life be a waste. Let me fulfill all of your purposes. Your highest purposes for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. The last word of the cross. The seventh expression of love. Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. The seventh expression of love is divine union. And that is God's goal for you and me. Divine union. Oneness with God. That is what Jesus prayed in John 17. Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. 22nd and 23rd verse. Oh Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. <laughs> Divine union. How many of you have desired to become one with Jesus. That is our goal. That's where we are going. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Union with God is the seventh expression of love. As I'm closing, I just want to say this. Many times we say, Oh, Jesus paid the price on the cross for our benefit. Jesus paid the price. For our healing. Jesus paid the price. For our salvation. Jesus paid the price. For our blessings. And no wonder. Many times. God does mighty things. After we say. Those kind of words. But some saints of God said. Nobody knows. What the price was. It is a very lower level of talking. Lower understanding. Saying, God paid the price for us to be blessed. It's true in a way. And people receive blessings. But what I'm trying to say is, nobody knows the price that God paid. Nobody can estimate that price. Even the angels don't know the price that God paid. The great mind, after the mind of Christ, was the mind of Paul. Many Bible scholars say that. And even Paul says, great is the mystery of godliness. God came in flesh, lived on this earth, died, preached among people, rose up again, went to heaven. Paul says, it's a mystery. Mystery. Let it remain a mystery. Nobody knows the price that God has paid. He has hid that secret in his heart. He's kept that to himself. Nobody knows or can value or estimate the price that was paid on the cross for your redemption 
and my redemption. I want to bow before Jesus and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for my sake. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. I crown you with many crowns. Worthy is the Lamb. Nobody is worthy today except the Lamb is worthy. And I give Him all the glory. All the glory. Shall we pray? Lord, our desire is divine union. We want to become one with you and stay with you. We in you and you in us forever. And I even want to go to the extent of saying, I want to be dissolved in you or disappear in you so that you alone will remain. Jesus, lead us into divine union with you. We can never estimate the price that you paid. We can never know that price. You kept that secret within yourself. So we all together say, Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. To Him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, be blessing, glory, and honor, and power forever. Wisdom, riches, might are yours. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.